Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, it penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together. Everything that has transpired has done so according to my design. Who are you? Someone loves you. He's holding a thermal detonator. You were right. You were right about me. The force is strong in my family. Father has it. I have. My sister Welcome to episode 3 of this rather strange little trilogy where I am going through the original Star Wars trilogy for the first time ever and talking about my experience with some of my favorite guests that I've ever had on and for this last one I decided to reach out to someone who I kind of know as the person that likes to make an insane number of pop culture references in pretty much everything he does. Um, and that is a magnificent Adorify. How are you doing, sir? Good. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? Uh, I, I'm doing all right. Yeah. Wonderful, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, as I mentioned on the others, I, I kind of just reached out to some people saying, hey, I'm doing this. Uh, what do you think? And you were one of the first people actually to get back to me to say hell yeah let's do it <laughs> yeah i think you just you were just very casually we were talking about something and you're like hey what are you what are your thoughts on uh star wars or i can't remember how you phrase it but i was like oh yeah i mean i've seen it for sure like let's do it <laughs> yeah that, i i didn't want to to try and get some of the people that are like uber star wars fans because i yeah. feel like those are the people that i might be pissing off a little bit with some of the things that i might be saying but uh yeah uh, but yeah I, I i really wanted to reach out to the people that we had on before and uh you know i had a really good time talking to you last time so i am glad you're able to come back on yeah happy to be back on and i feel like there's a fine line between <laughs> a, th a thin fine line between hyper passionate and exhausting and yeah. <laughs> uh, that that's something I always try and be wary of is like when someone dips past passionate into exhausting and I always try and avoid those people in fandoms. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, you got the people that can uh, go to you know, festivals or conventions and you know, even the people that dress up. Oh, that's fine. But you got the people that turn up with notebooks. Those are the ones you want to kind of stay clear. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's about. Please enjoy whatever you like as much as you like, but the minute that your enjoyment turns towards me with like red hot rage because <laughs> I don't know something, that's when I'm like, we all just need to step back and like, <laughs> we need to have a hot meal, take a sweet, sweet eight hour nap and just like calm down and, and <laughs> remember that we're all human here. Um, so I, I'm, I'm never turned off by someone's passion or fandom. It's just when when uh, their focus turns towards me and and me not knowing something enough, um, and then me being sort of chastised for that. That's when I that's when I start to um, uh, really become terrified. Yeah, I, I I believe the term would be the gatekeepers. The, yeah. Oh, that's fair. That's a good term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the people that they're the ones that feel that that you know if you're going to be coming in you should know enough to be able to get by and yeah no that yeah m most most fandoms really yeah hell if someone enjoys something let them in you know yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah all right so um 
Yeah, obviously, uh, for for those of you that might be joining in uh, just for this episode first, uh, hello. Um, yeah, really, you should go back to um, episode one, where we talk about episode four, and then go to episode two, where we talk about episode five, because this is the third in the trilogy. You of... idiots, what are you doing? You morons, you don't even know how to enjoy this right. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a trap. Damn it! Damn it. It's, a, it's trap. a trap. <laughs> uh, uh, there we go. I knew that one would get in there somewhere. Um, uh, but yes, this is uh, the third of that. So, you know, if you want to listen to me going through this in order, then I recommend going back. If not, well, welcome, and hopefully you enjoy just randomly talking about uh, episode six or as i believe it is known return of the jedi and i had to be very careful with that one because i almost ended up thinking oh this is that other jedi one which is i think episode seven that i've mm. seen <laughs> so it's like okay uh oh no the last jedi is what i was going to there's too many too many of these. <laughs> there, there, it needs to be. Um, somebody should have had more memorable names. Like yes. if, if there was like Star Wars Monster Truck Bonanza, like I would remember that. But they're all very similar. Like a New Hope, something rises, something returns. Like it's all, it all kind of muddles into one glob of of phrasing. So I really, yeah, I really, I'm with you. <laughs> where I wish I wish they really would have carved out a unique brand for each one. Yeah, I mean, and and obviously we are coming at it from the other side now because you know back then when there were just the three, it does kind of make sense because they obviously are subtitles that kind of explained what's going on. Sure, and it all works. Uh, but yeah, now going back to it, it's like okay, the franchise has become so big with so many subtitles that are so similar that it it is very modern. So. Yeah, and then yeah, I I have always found it funny, even before going back and actually watching these things, that whenever someone comes to this completely new, having not seen any of them, then it's like, okay, which one do you start with? Well, you start with four. Well, why do you start with four? Well, um, <laughs> like I kind of enjoy what that has done to it because yeah, starting an entirely new IP on episode four makes no sense sure you, but, yeah uh, but <laughs> but uh but yeah as um as i was talking to, to mike phallic about in uh, the first episode where we were talking about these like uh yeah george lucas was coming at this from the stance of it's like one of those old school serials where you come in and it's just like you're in the action like you know things have happened before but you didn't catch it so you're just straight into it and oh it's gonna say i appreciate that as an improviser we're always i mean when i first started learning improv in chicago one of the big uh, sort of rules of improv is like start in the middle so you never uh, for example if you and i were to like improvise a scene neither one of us would ever want to start with like hello and then i say <laughs> hello how are you and you say good 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 thanks for meeting me here and i'm like thanks for being here right we never want to do that. No. We want to start a scene with like, Uncle Donnie's the worst. And you're like, I know. What is his deal? Or, you know, so you want to start with um, the where we both agree something has already happened or take place or we know each other. Or there's acknowledgement of like we are existing in a world that's, you know, we're, we're the, the audience is uh, opening a curtain and peering into something that's already taking place 
versus you know us just beginning to set the stage so i i actually enjoy that and i think that's very cool but i do think you know obviously they didn't plan for the prequels or they didn't plan for this whole other expansion yeah. of the universe so so I, I i think the actual the the initial concept i think is very cool and very um very savvy in terms of making the audience feel like they're already on board with something you know treating the audience with respect and you know as if they're an intelligent creature versus like let us set a table for you i i, I actually <laughs> appreciate that it starts with four i think it's cool yeah no it, it was um it was interesting although as i mentioned in the first episode where we did this like it the first film took me a while to really draw me in um i i don't know if it was i think it was uh, as I said there, partly the pacing. Yeah. Um, and then also, even though I was coming into this knowing roughly who the characters were and some of the motivation behind it, like it, it really was such a slow build into it that I was uh, kind of a little bored in the first place. Uh, and I will say that jumping into episode six, uh, that was not the case this time. <laughs> it was it was interesting coming into this because i i didn't know much about the plot of this one i knew the basic plot of four before i ever watched it i knew some of the things that were going to happen in five before i watched that and coming into this the only things that i knew that were coming uh and obviously we're going to get into spoilers at this point um i knew that you would get to see luke fight vader Mm -hmm. uh like and and an actual proper fight um and then i knew that the emperor was defeated by vader but i didn't know how and i knew that it's a trap was coming uh, and by uh by just figuring out oh this hasn't happened yet i knew they were going to be jabba the hut and i knew that the ewoks were coming so so that that's just all i knew going into this uh so yeah and i feel like anytime someone anytime there's an existing property where where and we talked about this slightly where, where anyone's like outraged or incredulous or appalled that you haven't seen it yet it's going to tend to because I remember the first time I watched um, like Chinatown or On the Waterfront. There, there's so many movies where when people find out I hadn't seen them and they were outraged and incredulous. When I watched them, I was like, like, <laughs> this is not a masterpiece. This is slow. Um, and I feel like I, I didn't I, I, I feel like I saw Spaceballs before I ever even saw Star Wars. Much like my first sort of my first exposure to music besides maybe Patsy Cline was Weird Al and then I so I heard Weird Al first <laughs> and then I heard all the songs eventually that he was parroting and I was like what's going on like this sounds like the Weird Al and my mom had to explain to me like what parody is and I'm like oh okay so I, I I was let's see I was maybe like 16 or 17 when I when I was first introduced to the Star Wars movies and okay. I had seen I had seen Spaceball several times and uh, Grandpa and his friends, uh, Grandpa's me, Grandpa and his friends <laughs> had been playing N64. I can't remember the name of the game. There's some Star Wars game on N64 that my friends and I would play all the time where you wrap up the wire around the AT-AT's legs and all oh, that fun stuff. Yeah. But I remember playing the game, and we, we were enjoying that, my friend uh, Mike and Brad and myself. And at some point, I was like, something happened. I was like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. And they were like, oh, it's just like in the movies. And I'm like, 
okay. And they're like, wait, have you never seen the movies? And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Like, are they going to beat me senseless? Um, and then they were like, well, we have to watch the movies now. So they, they sort of introduced me to the original trilogy. And then um, – and I enjoyed it. And then eventually – Maybe a couple years later is when uh, episode one came out, and we all, all went and saw that together. Um, okay. And we finally got a taste of Jar Jar and General Grievous and all these sweet, sweet, rich characters. <laughs> um, so I, I came late to the game as well. I mean, not as late as some, but but yeah. I, I, I understand what it means to be shamed for not having <laughs> seen something. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, always, I've always found it interesting. Uh, the, the thing I, I, I've noticed the most, actually... Uh, which uh, which I, I think I mentioned uh, at least one of the other episodes is that most people just tend to assume that you have seen it and then talk about it as if you fully understand what they're talking about. And I had gone through so many of those conversations, basically contributing nothing, uh, but coming out the other end without them knowing I hadn't seen it. And I just kind of avoided bringing it up. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yes, obviously now I no longer have to do that. Um, I feel I feel like there's a hundred thousand properties where someone will mention I haven't seen blank, and then society tells us to say you haven't seen blank, what? <laughs> and then we all have to hem and haw, and then it becomes this big to do, and it's like we all exist on this great blue marble for a short amount of time. <laughs> we we spend our time doing whatever we choose. Let's all calm down. We won't have we won't have consumed all of media. Let's all take a break and cut each other some slack. Yeah, I mean, like hell, even just looking into things like YouTube, there is more video put on YouTube per hour than it is possible to watch in a week. So yeah, there's no way everyone's going to be seeing everything. Yeah, um, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I'm definitely in, intrigued to to see what you think of this film because because okay. there's, there's a few things that based on what I knew must be in this film and then watching the film that I was kind of surprised by um, and I, and I want to know how you felt when you first watched it because uh, you might have had a different take on it um, at the time so the the thing that really jumped out to me first and foremost is that Jabba the Hutt has been this thing that was kind of built up as he's the mafia crime boss of the galaxy basically like he yeah. he's this force to be reckoned with and he's really not in this film very much is he like you see him and uh yeah you know, he's he's obviously bad and he ends up just sort of toying with people for his own amusement but he's on screen for what 10 minutes if that and then is offed by leia in spectacular fashion um, i uh i i was genuinely surprised at how little he was in the film now obviously if they'd given him more to do then the film would have been even longer than it was. <laughs> but, that's, uh, but yeah, like did uh, did you have a feeling at all? It, obviously, you're going to have to cast your mind back a bit here. But uh, when you watched it, did you think at all of like, oh wow, they re like you know Jabba's finally here and he's gone, or, uh, or or did you feel like you were more kind of invested in it and you were more just kind of blown away by, oh my god, they got rid of Jabba. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I uh, I think I had the same thing. Where just through the zeitgeist and and uh, cultural references and everything, and and for me it was you know the the one to one was like Pizza the Hut, um, yeah. Spaceballs. I saw <laughs> that first, obviously. So yeah, it was it was interesting. It was almost like um, what was it? Uh, History of Violence. If you ever saw that movie, William Hurt got nominated for an Oscar for that, and I was like, oh, I gotta watch. I like William Hurt. I'll watch this movie, and he's in that movie for like seven minutes or something and i was like wow you can get an oscar nomination for being in seven minutes of a two-hour movie um so yeah i think i think i was a little bit underwhelmed by Jabba the first time i saw him because one he's so impractically shaped like <laughs> if your body looks like that there's not much you can do in terms of being a mafioso yeah. um he's just like this giant slug so one i think he was just wildly um misshaped to to wreak any havoc uh on on anyone in the galaxy and then yeah too i think because i was surprised you couldn't he doesn't really talk he just kind of like he (laughs) he just sort of has these guttural um emissions so i i think i expected him to talk i think i expected him to make sense and i and i thought he was like the maybe the the full on villain for a whole movie versus like this just little guy who gets dispatched so quickly and easily I guess I yeah. I will say I was immediately taken the first time I saw um this movie I was immediately taken with Salacious Crumb I think Salacious Crumb is the unsung hero of Star Wars Salacious Crumb is maybe my favorite character in the entire Star Wars universe um <laughs> just a fantastic like just a fantastic little muppet of a creature who just kind of laughs and just has a really memorable laugh. Like God, God bless this little guy. I love him. <laughs> he, he was an interesting fellow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I and yeah, I, I've been trying to think of it as well. Like, as you mentioned, um, like Jabba the Hutt, very, very interesting silhouette. Um, quite, quite the, uh, quite the large fellow. Um, I I kind of just want to know now, and I'm sure people can point me towards any sort of extended universe canon that's out there. How the hell did that guy become the most powerful crime lord on Tatooine? Like what? Like how did he do that? Because obviously, you know, if you think about how crime bosses generally work uh, here, then there's a certain amount of stuff that you kind of had to imply he did. Um, but I just can't see him doing much, especially given how slow he is. Like, I mean, he is yeah. a I have slug. To, <laughs> I have to imagine in his younger days, he had legs and maybe they fused together eventually and he became this sort of like weird <laughs> slug mermaid. So, yeah, I, I have to imagine he accumulated power at a younger age when he was quicker and stronger and had a full head of hair. Um, but I guess otherwise, I mean, I guess there is to some degree a trope of like the mafioso who's just this big, this big fudge of a man who just commands respect and bosses others around. So I guess that's what they're going for. But yeah, yeah, it's still, it still, um, seems like someone would have, uh, staged a coup or overthrown him at some point. Yeah. You think so? (laughs) And the, uh, that. Yeah, you know, I'll say I I really enjoyed seeing them getting in and trying to get to Han and and getting him released and and it wasn't just okay he's out of the carbonite and he's fine like he's 
blinded for the next what half hour so yeah. <laughs> like he's <laughs> the genuine uh like consequences to everything that's happened so that it was it was kind of nice to see that um i do but, think carbonite is one of the one of the cooler creations in cinematic history of like what could you do to someone that's that hasn't been done before and it's like oh flash freeze them <laughs> like <laughs> i just think it's a really it's just a really interesting compelling thing to do in in a movie to just be like here's a new substance that we flash free someone in so i um i very much enjoyed that and i think that's a very iconic obviously the very iconic image is is han frozen in carbonite yeah also the the thing i don't think i mentioned this in the other episode uh i did find it funny that obviously his hands are bound when he gets put down into it but then if you look at his frozen in carbonite form both his arms are up and he doesn't have the manacles on anymore. Oh so. yeah, because it looks it looks better. Yeah. Um, I actually got I got to go myself and um, um, uh, two of the co-hosts of a podcast I do. We we all got to go to the Industrial Light and Magic kind of um, headquarters. Um, oh, you in San, in San Francisco, because <laughs> there there's a really wonderful guy there who who works at Industrial at ILM and who's a fan of our podcast. So he invited us out when, uh, a few years ago, and we got to tour the whole space. And one, ah. it's it's absolutely phenomenal. And then two, <laughs> in one little room, they have a Jar Jar Binks in carbonite. <laughs> oh, there you go. Because <laughs> I think even the creators uh, or the people who worked on it and all the special effects guys are also like, we, we realize this guy absolutely sucks. So so there's a, um, <laughs> as you go along in the back offices, there's a giant Jar Jar stuck in carbonite that's very, very funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, I can see, I can just see in my head the the day that someone came up with that idea and the entire <laughs> office is just like, yes. It's just everyone <laughs> cheers and throws paper in the air and like <laughs> the troops are home. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now I'm just thinking of Wolf of Wall Street. Just on <laughs> cheering in the thing. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to shitting on beloved characters. Um, <laughs> I will say something that really surprised me um, even more so than Jabba not being in it that much is given how much this character is beloved and like there seems to just be so much lore around him. Yeah. Boba Fett is pretty useless, isn't he? Like, he... yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's more t- to me. The first time I saw, saw Star Wars, it's more of like an aesthetic thing of like, what is this outfit? What is this little, he has like a little mailbox indicator on his helmet where it's like, <laughs> it's like set to up and like deliver mail and he has a little jetpack and everything. So I, I think it's more like, it's more the compelling aesthetic than it is. He's actually like, you know, getting a lot done, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I will say I appreciate the fact that he exists if only because we now have, the Mandalorian, which I oh um, yeah, which I yeah. absolutely adore that show, <laughs> yeah. and I feel like I feel like they do a good job. I literally just yeah, I just watched a new episode this this morning, um, and I feel like they do such a good job of onboarding anyone and everyone. Where it's like, even if you're a casual fan, even if you've never seen the Star Wars uh, movies at all, you can immediately there's an inroad and an access to to this world and these characters. So I I'm very much a fan of uh, what John Favreau's done with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, phenomenal show, and I, I, I've really been enjoying it. I, I do need to watch that newest episode. I'll probably do that tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I remember 
when I was watching uh, the scene where uh, Boba or Boba, depending on how you want to say it, is uh, dispatched, uh, I, I was anticipating that he would be more of a thorn in the side of everyone rather than obviously he's the guy that brought Han Solo to Jabba and then he's just kind of there and then he says maybe one or two lines of dialogue uh, and then he is (laughs) dispatched in one of the weirdest chain of events that uh, they probably could have written in which is he is hit on the jetpack by a blinded Han using the back of a gun, which then causes it to misfire and sends him into the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> like, it, it's it's almost a comedy of errors type. <laughs> it's very much like slapstick. Yeah, it, it, it quickly becomes like someone, like, like a well-to-do gentleman with a cane turns around and actually knocks the butler down the stairs or something. Like, it, 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 I think it is like old-school slapstick. Um it has to I be. actually, I actually enjoy it where it's like you know this badass dude where it's like, how how can you kill this man with all this armor and with a jetpack and he's a bounty hunter and like, you know clearly he has this this history this rich history of getting whatever he needs done. So I I I, I kind of really appreciate that he's dispatched in such a comical way, because because <laughs> that's how he has to be dispatched. You know you you can't kind of outshoot him or outmaneuver him or outfight him or box him or something. So I kind of like that it's just a a, a, a literal blind move <laughs> sends him to his doom. And yeah. I also I also love now that you mentioned I, I think you just said Paul you said Bubba Bubba or Boba. Now I'm just going to call him Bubba Fat <laughs> because Bubba Fat sounds like the 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 main villain in like a southern in American southern movie where it's like Bubba Fat from Mississippi is the the main henchman in overalls or something. Bubba Fat. Yeah, so that that actually sounds like he would be the um, the owner of a trailer park. And he mistreats <laughs> Absolutely, <everyone>. yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, got to write that film now. Got to have to get it somehow. <laughs> hey, you better knock it off, or else Bubba Fat gonna come down here and knock you upside your head. <laughs> you don't want to piss off Bubba Fat. He got a pig with him. Oh dear. <laughs> I'll write that movie. Okay. I. You write it and I'll I'll review it. There you go. <laughs> you do all of the actual, you know, the pr- important the per- stuff. The perfect collaboration, Paul. <laughs> I create something and then you shit on it. Hey, hey I might not. You never know. <laughs> I'll make sure you do. Okay. Uh, all right. um, so, uh, so, yeah, I, I, I did... I did uh, write down as I was watching this film then that um, like this film really did feel like a, a good sort of culmination of all of the the characters kind of coming together as a team in this one because I I found that when they were when they were back into the Rebel Alliance and they were all kind of coming together and interacting as they were trying to figure out what the next step was going to be. Like after all of this time and through the other two films, they were still just, you know, trying to figure out who they were as it were. But now they felt like, you know, friends. They felt like people that had gelled together and, and I, I kind of, kind of enjoyed seeing them as that team. And then what does the film do? It splits him up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I think that's it, it's smart to. I always appreciate when a movie 
a movie lets its characters earn something. Yeah. So I, so I like that their their bond and their trust and everything was earned over. I mean, I mean, obviously it took the course of several films, but but I really appreciate that. Versus, I was just doing. I I just watched what was it? I watched. I watched um oh the Money Pit with Tom Hanks and okay. I was talking about and I was talking about that recently and it's something where that movie never introduces you to the characters. It's just like. The movie itself is like, hey, here's this couple. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but it's like, here's this couple, and they're <laughs> dating, and then they buy a house, and like, oh, look at all the stuff that goes wrong, and isn't this funny and and like wild? So, so I always appreciate that if the, any film that where it's like, well, trust and friendship and a bond and all this and a rapport all take time, and so, um, let's let's let our characters earn that, and then the the audience is emotionally invested, versus like. Hey, here's our hero. Why? Because we say it's the hero, and like, here's his friends, and he, of course he knows them, and like, now they fight, and some of them die, and you should be crying, and it's like, I don't want to cry. I don't know who this person is that just got <laughs> shot out of the sky. So, um, I yeah, I actually appreciate that they invest in, to some degree, they invest in in uh, earning that uh, um, for the audience, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and it it was interesting watching this because obviously I. I knew, as I said, I knew some of the steps that had to happen. I knew some of the story beats that would turn up. But all of those little scenes that are just kind of building on what I I didn't know any of those. I didn't know how those things were going. Uh, uh, it was fun to see the introduction of General Akbar because uh, I... Oh yeah, yeah I, I, I knew the line. Uh-huh. That uh, it's, yes, absolutely. I, I always call him General Snack Bar because he's such a snack. <laughs> um, General, uh, I'm sorry, Admiral Snack Bar. Um, yeah, the the it's a trap is such a <laughs> such yeah. a such a funny. It, it's like so iconic, but then when you watch it, it's such a funny like like he's such a <laughs> he's such a squid of a man. Um, yeah. and it's it's funny that yeah, today's Mandalorian episode was was his um his people his uh calamari. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, to, I definitely <laughs> had to watch that scene, and it's uh, yeah, um, and kind of jumping ahead as well. Um, th- something that surprised me was that Admiral Akbar actually survives. I thought, because uh, again, all I've seen of Admiral Akbar is it's a trap. Yeah. That's it. That's the only clip I've ever seen of the guy. So I assumed, based on that, that the ship he was on would get destroyed because. It's a trap. It's like they were clearly <laughs> waiting for it, but uh, but no, not at all. He's he's there at the end, and he's part of the people celebrating. So yeah, it's uh, uh, that that was a, a nice surprise for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and another little surprise as well was when they finally got to see the Ewoks. Um, I knew roughly what they looked like. I knew that you know they had been made fun of in Spaceballs. Uh, I I knew that. Uh, they were just these weird little bear guys. I didn't quite realize how much they genuinely looked like the Care Bears hillbilly cousins. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they they absolutely look like they were modeled off like Teddy Ruxpin's. But of course, they came first, so so all fair game. But yeah. I, I remember, I remember the first time I saw the movies again. I I must have been sixteen or seventeen. I absolutely adored the Ewoks. Like I was like, <laughs> give me more Ewoks. These little teddy bears are so fun and so weird, and like I love their little chants and their little dances. And I, I also love, I, to me, Star Wars. The the best parts of Star Wars are tiny creatures who obviously have their own little societies 
who just make like noises. So I love the guys. Mm. I forget what they're called, but the guys who are just like Utini, like those little things with the <laughs> who yes. wear like cloaks and the glowing eyes. Like yeah, the, the sand people. Yeah, they're uh, and not the not like the seal barking guys, not like the R R R. Oh um, no, the the Jawas. I the Jawas. Them. Thank you so yeah. much. So the Jawas are like some of my uh, absolute. I put them in my top three. The Ewoks in my top three. So I basically love anything that's tiny and adorable <laughs> who makes like little sounds versus speaking. But I but as as a teenager, I was like, oh, the Ewoks obviously are such a such a star and like they're a hit and like. Um, I eventually saw like Wilford Brimley interact with them and in, in whatever that was. Um, there's some sort of special with Wilford Brimley and the Ewoks. But then when I got into like college and I got to, uh, uh, I exposed myself to more people. That sounds weird. I didn't expose myself. <laughs> I, I, I was exposed to more people who were huge, huge um, um, into the Star Wars universe and were very much fans and who were part of this whole uh, cultural phenomenon. I realized that there was such a backlash against them. And that the typical Star Wars fan hates the Ewoks. And I was like, what is there to hate? Like, they're wonderful. So it, it is interesting to... I could I could very easily see if I had watched the movies with anyone who hated the Ewoks, that I would that would probably rub off on me. But because I was sort of untainted or, or um, got to see it in sort of a subjective space, I was... Or I'm sorry, an ob- objective space, I was able to sort of form my own opinion and, and really... Uh, um, learn to have this affinity for them yeah i i I will say that i after watching the film i didn't have any real animosity towards them i mean they were as you say they're clearly their very very own culture their own people on this planet and these heroes just stumble across them quite literally and it's kind of their and then they help out in the fight. So it's like, okay, I don't actually know. Like, hearing that there's such a backlash towards them, I, I knew that some people didn't like them, and I've heard a few arguments about, you know, whether whether they are good, uh, you know, a good species, or if they were just only helping because they'd been tricked and really they're just, they, they were just this chaotic force on this planet. Uh, which they very much are. It, it, it's cool to me that it's like the whole thing is basically they are not uncultured, but they're basically they're woodland creatures, and they don't they don't know what's going on outside of their planet. I guess so. Yeah. It is um, to to speak of Bubba Fat. It it is very like <laughs> very much like the American South, where it's like we know what we know, and like outside of our county line, who who cares? So it, it is fun yeah. for me of like. They're so they have such grit to them in terms of uh, such grit and heart where it's like these guys come in with technology and blazers and blasters and like the stormtroopers with their their um, their I forget what they're called, like the little ski that ride through the air. Oh, yeah. and, and the Ewoks take them out with like ropes and trees and wood and tra- and like little leaf traps. <laughs> and it's so to me, I love that where it's just like. They they don't they don't have technology they don't have the the intelligence of like what's going on out there in terms of weaponry but they're just like yeah this is our this is our land and like we know it better we know this layout better than you do so you're you're on our turf now and you're gonna suffer for it and even the even though it's kind of comical and, and, and a little silly the fact that they see a giant golden man in c-3po and they're like oh yes this is we now worship him i think it's just very funny and very very 
evocative of like I'm sure moments in history where it's like you know as people travel around the world that I'm sure that there was there was um, all kinds of moments where where people who only knew what they knew or only knew their area were were shocked and and um, overwhelmed by by what someone else brought you know so I, I think that was just really I thought it was really fascinating and just really fun versus versus them being idiots or anything yeah no it was really cool and and as you say like uh, uh them just suddenly worshiping c-3po who i i think i'll i'll happily say it at this point i think c-3po is probably to me the most annoying character in the entire original trilogy well uh, well well <laughs> so the most british character in star wars is the most annoying paul interesting interesting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and where are uh, you currently residing uh, I am currently residing in the United States. Okay, but you're from? Uh, I'm from a, a little little island. You may have heard of it. It's uh, known as the United Kingdom. Yes, uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, it 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 was definitely like an interesting character choice that they went with when it came to C-3PO because obviously they were looking for this person who is incredibly press upon, and I and yeah knowing that they took this character and decided, ah, Anakin built him. Like, when they started doing the prequels, it's like, really? Like, okay. <laughs> um, and, and C-3PO and R2-D2 really becoming the link between all of these films. Um, like, you know, obviously, you've got the actual plot that goes through them, but uh, they became sort of the physical manifestations of Ah, this is the link that goes throughout everything. Uh, oh, and speaking of R2, actually, he really doesn't get treated very well in these films. No, that and that's a fair that's a fair assessment. R2 is really everyone just kind of treats him very poorly. So I'm not a fan <laughs> of that. But I will say I am a big fan of C3PO. I don't know what it is about this sort of like fussy metal butler is <laughs> just so I don't know. I really enjoy it. I, I love the fact that a robot. Because I think typically a robot, and they even do it in later Star Wars films, where typically robots are just like cold and emotionless and like they're programmed to kill or they're, I just feel like most robots are boring. And I just love the fact that C-3PO is like fussy and sensitive and like constantly worried. Like he's just a furrowed brow of a character. And I I absolutely love that. I think it's such a cool, funny choice. And so I, I... I adore C-3PO, but I, I can understand where he's annoying, but I think it comes from such a, it's just such a strong choice to just be like, let's make the robot the, the sort of, um, the, the sort of litmus test for whether or not something should be done or it, let's have him be the most concerned out of everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. And there is one thing, uh, I, I mentioned it in the episode five review that we did. C-3PO at one point is space racist. So it's like, oh really yeah because uh, the oh, and, and also I'm so sorry Paul um, spacist <laughs> is the correct term no thank you well, no I'm correct it's spacist <laughs> okay so he is spacist then um, and uh, yeah because there, there's one point where right at the end of the film when they're trying to uh, get away and C3PO is apologizing to Lando on behalf of uh, Chewbacca. Okay. And and he says, you know, I'm something along the lines of, I'm so sorry, but after all, he is only a Wookiee. Ooh. And it's 
C-3PO, for shame. I know. (laughs) Do you feel, as a a, a Brit, Mm -hmm. do Mm -hmm. you feel like someone could entirely redo, without changing a single word, entirely remake Faulty Towers with C-3PO as John Cleese's character? Um, <laughs> I I see I've offended you. I will take my leave. Good day, sir. <laughs> no, no, I, I I see what you're getting at, uh, but uh, no, I, I feel that John Cleese is Basil Fawlty. That there's way more nuance to him than okay, uh, right. three PO. But I I I do I do see what you're getting at. He does have that sort of annoy. But like I feel like he would be more more well placed in are you being served Ooh, i love that show <laughs> yeah i i think he would fit in very well <laughs> in that one and <laughs> um, yeah I, I i genuinely did write down uh, that i was a little bit sad that all the stuff r2 ends up going through in these films especially since you know right at the end where he, he is trying to get them into the bunker and he just gets straight up electrocuted like he's just <laughs> yeah it, it is interesting even within even within the droid community that he's viewed he's like viewed as like this lesser being where they're like uh you're just this type of droid it, it is it is fascinating <laughs> that there's like that cast system um within the film yeah and i i was thinking back on it like throughout the trilogy and you know he is basically the navigator that that's effectively his function uh and then when he's not being the navigator he is falling into deep water and having to be rescued he's being shot at or electrocuted he's just kind of trying to get to places and occasionally falling over like he he really is just kind of a well we need him to be in these places but you know he's not built to get to these places yeah. so we're just gonna have to have some fun with him i i uh, think it's smart to have the droids in this film where it's like uh, if you don't want to kill off a character who's flesh and blood you can put a droid in danger and the audience will have a the, the audience or at least i did grew i already mentioned being affectionate towards c-3po uh, clearly affectionate towards r2d2 as well and (laughs) bb8 and all the you know so i definitely enjoy the droids so i feel like that that allows the audience to have concern where it's like oh no c-3po is ripped in half and and i can be i can be on the edge of my seat holding my breath hoping he's okay but you can't i mean you can't rip you know you can't rip luke skywalker in half and and i have the same (laughs) feeling right because then your character's dead so yeah. I think that the droids do serve this this purpose in terms of building tension and allowing the audience to to have these moments of like oh no will they make it out okay will everything be fine you know so so I think they're like they're a surrogate for flesh and blood sometimes in oh, terms of, of what they go through but but they're almost always okay yeah <laughs> and uh, trying to trying to move on as well I yeah I I did really enjoy when everything was just kind of building and building because you know you've got these rebels that are trying to get through this plan so that they can finally take down this second death star and then as the film keeps going they you know you know that they have to get to this place and then when they do they don't win that particular fight they they are stopped and then you just see that, okay, the Death Star is actually fully operational. And they did really well, I thought, in 
making it so that it felt actually hopeless, even though, yeah, yeah, as someone that just knows how these stories go, and knowing that it was the last film in the trilogy, it wasn't going to end with the bad guys winning. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the, I I felt that even knowing that and knowing where this goes and knowing where it had to end I, I genuinely did feel like the film really got across that hopelessness and I wasn't sure exactly how they were going to overcome it even though I knew they would but you know <laughs> it's like they did, they did so well at building that up so I, I definitely had to get this film prop for that yeah <laughs> it's very good storytelling and I, I feel like there's not enough um, or maybe I'm maybe I'm ignorant to the if there is I feel like there's not enough credit due to George Lucas I assume it's George Lucas as a young man who came up with all this terminology that's became so iconic because it just worked so well like Death Star I think we just rattle that off but that's to me I'm like I never would have like I never would have thought to call that a Death Star like the fact that he calls that a Death Star and not like you know a monster ball or <laughs> evil evil orb or something and the fact that it's like Luke Skywalker versus like Jeff Blasterman or something like I feel like <laughs> he he the just just the names and the um uh, the terminology is just so iconic and I and I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for for how well everything just rolls off the tongue. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Where it easily could have been something way more uh, cumbersome uh, to chew on. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and even to take in that like. Just going something as simple as Tatooine. I mean, yeah. you know, now you say Tatooine, like, oh yeah, that's the planet. It's on, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, if you really just think about it, Tatooine is a stupid name. Yeah. <laughs> but, but phonetically, it's, it's, it rolls off the tongue so easily and it's so pleasing to hear. And I, I, I'm such a big... Um, I'm such a big fan of like fantasy books of like uh, Name of the Wind or like Brandon Sanderson series and everything. And I feel like so, so much fantasy I read, they're like, you know, his name was uh, Krumalov and he was from <laughs> he was from the Bog Bogabash d- district or whatever. And I'm just reading it. I'm like, oh, there's you couldn't come up with anything better than that. And, and the names are it just the names don't stick in my craw. They don't they're not memorable. And I feel like the Star Wars universe, and of course it became, it's it's mostly, I'm sure, due to its popularity, but right. those those names and those planets and those terms just are, laminate themselves in my head. Like, I cannot Tatooine, Boba Fett, uh, uh, Jabba the Hutt, Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, Death Star, Ewok, like those, uh, for whatever reason... That guy's an absolute master at crafting fake names oh, yeah. for, for anything and everything where, where so many fantasy writers just fall on their face. So I, I have to give him kudos for for creating this whole wor- world out of like nonsense syllables. Yeah, that, absolutely. And especially like, you know, I, I feel that in a lesser film, having your, your you know, crustacean character being called Akbar, like you know in, in, a, in a film that wasn't so well done and you weren't so drawn in like you just go well that's just you know that's not even b movie level writing that's that's, <laughs> that's like a first draft that somehow you skipped over and left it in yeah. but but you know admiral Akbar, it's like it's a character that people love especially yeah 
that, that double A hitting that double A is so satisfying. Like Alan Alda or Alan Arkin, like it just uh, it just works. Admiral Akbar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kind of getting uh, to the end of uh, of the film as well. That there was one other thing that I found like interesting because I you know I fully admit the the fight between Luke and Vader and seeing Luke struggle with. You know, is he going to give in or not? Like, you know, that fantastic. Really enjoyed seeing that. It was, it was so well done. Um, and then at the end of the, uh, you have the Emperor Force Lightning Luke for a, a little bit too long. I'll be honest. I, I did feel like the, Yeah, uh, the, the longer he kind of electrocutes him, the more I'm like, oh, that's a very weak power. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, it, it was that thing of, you know, if it was made now, the cutting back and forth between them would like speed up and speed up and speed up until the thing happened. But sure. but it didn't. <laughs> it was just like, and here's the Emperor going, here's Luke going, oh, no, here's Vader. Well, at least here's his helmet. Yeah. And then back to the Emperor. And it's like, and it, there's like at least, you know, two or three seconds on each shot. Um, and it goes on for a while, and I was like, okay, I know this is leading to something, but let's get there. Um, and then I just wrote down, so Vader just yeets the Emperor down a shaft. Like, that that's how it ends? <laughs> it is impressive to just see him, like, throw him like a ragdoll, where it's like, oh, Vader's strong. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the thing that, that really, for me, I, I found, it was like, oh, why didn't you do this, was that we know that Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber is lying on the floor right by him. Like, surely the culmination of this was your father's lightsaber before Darth Vader killed him, surely having Darth Vader killing the Emperor with his old lightsaber would have been the the thing that really brought Anakin back at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I understand that that would have made it a little bit more difficult for the Emperor to force lightning him um, and uh, destroy his respirator. Sure. But... Uh, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like there's something I respect about the, the visceral... I'm going to pick you up and throw you versus yeah. like... <laughs> versus I'm going to kill you with a laser sword. I oh, like yeah. that. I like that he's like, that's my son. I'm going to... It's almost like when Bjork attacked those reporters at the airport, where it's like <laughs> she became this like lioness, where she's like attacking reporters of like back away from my child. I think it's so. I, I enjoy that it's a visceral, physical thing of like magic be damned, special powers be damned. I'm literally going to pick you up and toss you down because <laughs> I, I'm tired of this, I, and I, I I respect that, and, and I'm I'm happy that's the way it plays out versus yeah. him him force choking him or, or a lightsaber through his tummy or something. I like the visceral um, physicality of it. Oh yeah. No, that that's the thing. Like I, I can appreciate the fact that it really is just, I'm just literally picking you up and throwing you down a well. Like, uh, like, <laughs> <Alley-oop>. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and especially like, you know, I, I watched the despecialized version, so I wasn't watching it with any updated graphics or anything like that. And, and I felt that, um, you know the the actual that shot it 
wasn't terrible, especially by today's standards. Like, you know, you could tell it wasn't someone actually falling down a full shaft or something, but it, it didn't look that out of place. Um, oh, I, Paul, I don't know how to tell you this. Um, <laughs> they actually killed that actor for the oh. scene. Um, he signed some waivers, and, and they actually threw him down a... Down a um, oh, Oh, okay. Well, Down in that case, pit, so, yeah, in that I'm, case I'm, I'm not sure what the cinematographer did wrong with that one. Then. <laughs> yeah, well, funny. Yeah, the funny thing is, is when they actually killed him, they, they didn't have the cameras on and they're like, ooh, yikes, this is embarrassing. So they used stock footage and, and um, green screen it. So, yeah, that's what you, that's the final shot. But they did kill him. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> General Palpatine, Lando Calrissian. We, I can't. It's so I couldn't come up with one name that good in my lifetime, and this guy came up with a whole world. So oh, many yeah. fantasy and sci-fi books I read, they try and constantly shoehorn in like a, a Q, uh, like the letter Q, or like, oh, yeah. uh, and, and I like where it's like Quanonoth was the first, and it's like I don't want to read this bullshit. And <laughs> Lucas made a whole five hundred different names. Like, uh, I God bless that man. <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah that. This film and this series definitely has so many characters and such a, a well-built world. Um, I, you know, regardless of what people might think on what Lucas has done more recently, uh, some of the changes he might have done, or some of the things that he's done in other franchises that he has, like, I, I genuinely do appreciate what he did and what he came up with and what he sort of fruition with this original trilogy because oh yeah now having seen all of them um i i definitely feel that um i have more of an appreciation of it and i'm definitely going to re-watch some of these i don't know if i want to re-watch the prequels because uh-huh. i yeah um but uh <laughs> but definitely i i want to uh rewatch seven eight and nine um and uh and really appreciate some of the things that are in that you should and... also rewatch if you have time or interest i would also recommend watching mandalorian because as i mentioned even though it's like s- totally accessible for anyone and everyone and and I, and that's such a wonderful thing it also rewards people who are steeped in the history and do know the, the you know the references and the the actors and the you know so I, I think Mandalorian is worth rewatching to to um, get oh, all the yeah. Easter eggs. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I I watched the entire first season before I saw episode four, five, and six. So oh, nice. So yeah, definitely. I I do want to go back and really really watch it i mean obviously i knew who yoda was i i got i yeah, yeah. I, I understand baby yoda i get it yeah <laughs> but um uh but yeah I, I i definitely need to go back and see some of that um i, I want to just quickly uh, mention i feel like george lucas is it's so un to me it's so unfair what's happened to him in terms of like i feel like he's he's had such a decline and so many people are like outraged at what he's he did with the the prequels and everything and i just it's such a he was put in such an impossible situation where it's like <laughs> he he made he made this world that that so many people love and enjoy and like rewatch and and celebrate and then he it's like if someone saved the planet like if, if someone rescued earth 
And then they're like, and now I'm going to open a restaurant. And people are like, what are you doing? You idiot. <laughs> it's like, I saved the planet. And they're like, no, you can't open a restaurant, you fool. Like, do something else. Like, I just feel like he was putting, the, that's not a great analogy, but I feel like he was put in this <laughs> impossible situation. And he's, who knows if he had plans to do everything that this became, you know, he, he told his story and, and he was, I'm sure he was put in situations where he had to create where he didn't want to create or he had to do things he maybe didn't want to do or didn't expect to do. So I, I feel like we should all give that guy a break and we should all let him, you know, continue to create or retire or do whatever he wants in peace versus the, the backlash and the the sort of toxic fandom that that's uh, arose. Um, if you're, it's, it's wild to me to like, if you're such a Star Wars fan that you hate George Lucas for what he's done to what he created, it, that just seems like such a catch 22 of like, if you love the original so much and this guy created it, how can you, I, I don't know. It's just, I don't want to get into it, but I, I just feel like if any, if there's anything to take away, let's all give that guy a break. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I definitely feel that, um, uh, like, it really was sort of a, a losing battle when he was like, okay, I'm going to come back to this Yeah. when he was doing the prequels. Because, I mean, obviously he had this entire thing like sort of really etched out and how the world was going to be. And, you know, he reached a point where he felt that the graphics were up to a point where he could, you know, make it more of a, a visual spectacle. And yeah. And it just he couldn't stick the landing because you had so many people that just wanted four, five, and six. Like the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I even as much as it's such it's so easy to punch down at Jar Jar Binks, I get what he was going for. Where it's like maybe something to appeal to kids, so that fans of the original four, five, six could watch this new series with their kids, and the kids would have have something to to latch onto. It's like yeah, put this weird jamaican rabbit in the film and and it's he's like slapsticky in terms of like he's such a you know he he's constantly tripping and falling and bumbling that it's it's something for the kids but it didn't quite connect or work but at least he was trying to like connect parents and their children unite them in this movie watching experience so it's like even even things that went wrong that are so easy to to make fun of or to to ding him for I think it, I think I don't know for sure. It seems like it came from a genuine place of like wanting to provide and wanting to have something for people to connect with, you know, all, of all ages. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, it's such a bummer that that um, everyone just just tears him down constantly. And he he has his billions of dollars to fall back on. So I don't feel too bad. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's just a bummer. Yeah, and anyone that uh, that does want to just rip on Jar Jar, I I recommend if you haven't already watching the second series of Spaced because they very much rip into <laughs> Episode One in that one. So uh, yeah, I've never so, seen that. I have to watch it at some point. I I hardly recommend it. I mean, obviously you got uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Edgar Wright um, all together for um, the first time there, and um, uh, Jessica Stevenson uh, now Jessica Hind, but yeah, back then. So yeah, I uh, I very much recommend it. I think you will definitely get a good kick out of it. Um, also, uh, fun fact: the American DVD uh, box set of Space Season One and Two has on every single episode a uh, a commentary that is not in the English one, and Ooh. on every and on every episode he basically has a different filmmaker on it. Uh, like 
like um uh, i think kevin smith is on one of them um that that sounds about right yeah uh if i'm if, unless i am completely misremembering i think quentin tarantino is on one of them oh wow like, yeah like he he's just got all of these people in it and that wasn't included at all in the uk one so uh yeah it's very um very fun <laughs> and uh yeah very much uh a product of his time for back then but uh <laughs> yes um getting back to uh to kind of wrapping this up here so so yeah i i think um as i was saying with with finally having seen all of them and coming back and i, I feel like i definitely have a, a more of an appreciation of it um uh my last real question for you then would be uh for the original trilogy what what order would you put them in in terms of um say like you know favorite to least favorite oh boy um it's so hard because i i don't it's been years and years and years since i've watched them individually and right. they've all kind of glommed into one big story in my head <laughs> but i f- i feel like if i'm being genuinely honest i feel like this i feel like empire strikes back is maybe my favorite Okay. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if I can even pinpoint why, but it just, I think at times it's like the bleakest one. And, and I, I'm always, I always like, like my favorite movie of all time is Beetlejuice. And I, I just really like dark, dark sensibilities and dark humor and, and just like, um, um, that, that whole, that whole jazz. So yeah, right. I, I feel like for whatever reason, like him cutting open the Tauntaun and <laughs> sleeping inside <laughs> of it, you know, or not it, Tauntaun. Yeah. Tauntaun. Yep. Um, yeah, just that 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 whole movie. I just I just really enjoyed just how sort of dark and and messed up it was. Yeah, no, fair enough. I I was trying to think of it today because I feel like even though I kind of agree with you in that, like, yeah, having that downer ending over the you know obvious like hooray we've saved the day that the end of the trilogy was always going yeah. to have. Um, like, yeah, I I appreciate that. Uh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Beetlejuice. Yeah, I, I'm definitely with you on, on oh, Beetlejuice. Okay, okay. There, one of my favorite films. So, so good. So yeah, yeah I think I'd I'd say five, four, five, four, six. Okay, interesting. Um, but I like yeah. them all. But yeah, I think if you know, lightsaber to my head, five, four, six. Okay. <laughs> I think uh, for me, even with taking that into account, I think that six overall is the best film just in terms of pacing and story beats and and payoff for sure yeah definitely pay and also just for out of the three of them it's the one that kind of stuck me in the most so for me if i was actually going to order these it is six five four and from uh yeah favorite to least nice yeah so i i was i was genuinely surprised at that because i going into this i thought that four must be this great film that like obviously it spawned the next two like you know loads of people must have gone to see it and all of this stuff and i was like i i remember watching four and i i mentioned it in the episode i was like i think that if this film came out today i don't think it would have got a sequel i don't think people would have been that into it especially that it was just so slow and and yeah I, I wasn't i wasn't that drawn in but there's something irksome about how whiny <laughs> Luke Skywalker is. Oh yeah, and that eventually gets ironed out to some degree. It, but but I but it's also necessary in terms of like we have to <laughs> we have to see him grow and change and 
become become the sort of mature you know Jedi he's meant to be. So so I can appreciate that as well. But it, it is there are moments in in four where I'm just like come on like this <laughs> this petulant this guy's got to be in his twenties and he's like acting like a petulant thirteen year old. Yeah, absolutely. I'll say I think that's pretty much all I have on uh, on six uh, to talk cool. about. Uh, although I I will say while we were talking I. I was uh, doing just a little bit of quick looking up of some of the other names that are in Star Wars, and the names of the original members of the Max Rebo band are awesome. The Max Rebo band are the ones that are in Return of the Jedi, seeing house performers of Jabba the Hutt. So their names are Max Rebo, which is the stage name of... I'm definitely going to mispronounce this, but it's uh, Cerulean Fantel. Okay. Um, then there is Cy Snootles or Snooties. No, Snootles. Yeah, Cy Snootles, who is the female lead vocalist who had an affair with one of her groupies. Um, Ooh. And, and then there is Droopy McCool. <laughs> Droopy McCool. I did not know that one. Yeah. That's fantastic. Droopy yeah. McCool. Droopy McCool. And it's actually not the one you would think is Droopy McCool because <laughs> uh, the one that is uh, the sort of elephant looking one, I believe that is uh, Max Rebo. Droopy um, gotcha. McCool sounds like a like in the 80s, like a like for a commercial, a dog that would like eat pizza or something like Spud McKenzie, Droopy McCool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And according to what I found out, it is his stage name because his actual birth name is a series of unpronounceable flute, like whistles, but uh, he goes by snit when he's not on stage. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Droopy McCool. I think uh, that's probably that's the best name in the entire <laughs> trilogy there. <laughs> I think we can probably leave it right there. Uh, Awesome. uh, Well, thank you so much for having me on, Paul. Oh, no problem. I mean, if uh, people want to hear you in uh, any other format, uh, where would they get a hold of you? Absolutely. Well, you can check me out in theaters in 2024 in the movie Bubba Fat. Um, (laughs) That should be releasing soon through Miramax. Uh, You can also check out my podcast. I do one that's an improvised fantasy podcast called Hello from the Magic Tavern, in which I play a shapeshifter who's typically a badger. Um, I also have a podcast called Hey Riddle Riddle, um, which is myself and two friends uh, solving riddles, solving puzzles, doing lateral thinking problems, and calling for improv scenes along the way, um, which is a good time. And you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Adorify, spelled A-D-A-L-R-I-F-A-I. Yes, uh, and yeah, definitely do go check those out. Uh, I, I fully admit I am a little behind in uh, Hello from Magic Tavern and Hey Riddle Riddle, but... Uh, oh, I'm behind on those as well. <laughs> and you're in them, I mean... I'm slacking, yeah. <laughs> I haven't been in the last several episodes. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I do heartily recommend both of those. They are f- fantastic listening for, for anyone that, uh, you know, enjoys listening to things. So there you go. Um, and yes, uh, if you want to get a hold of me to tell me just how stupid I am for having waited so long to finally watch these films or you know rip into me for pretty much any of the opinions i've had over <laughs> any of this uh you can find me uh you know through the usual channels at blockbusters on you know, twitter facebook instagram uh you can email at the blokes at blokebusters.com you can go to blokebusters.com and look at our snazzy little website it's it's fun i i've enjoyed putting that together um it's yeah 
it's not uh, super slick or anything, but it's mine. So, yeah, I like it. And yeah, if you have any suggestions for any other like old things that I have not seen yet, which, uh, you know, pretty much list any classic film that everyone has seen, I've probably <laughs> not seen it. So, <laughs> so yes, if, if you have any other suggestions for things like that, do let me know and I will, uh, you know, finally get around to watching some of these other classics but uh, have you seen who framed roger rabbit i have seen who framed roger Rabbit. okay that's one of my favorites <laughs> yeah there we actually did a review of that with a very good friend of the podcast colleen griffin a while ago so yes i oh uh, wonderful yeah i would recommend going listen to that because we had a lot of fun <laughs> um but yes um uh, I, i'll leave it all right here so um yeah Again, thank you very much for coming back on. It's always a blast talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, I really enjoyed this. Oh, no. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> and thank you, everyone else, for listening. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Conversation anyway.